Ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, January 19th. Welcome back to the Beef State Show. My name is Joe Wheel. I am, of course, joined by my handsome friend Scott Wyman down in Duval County. Uh, make sure you guys hit that like button, hit that subscribe button before we jump in. We're going to talk transfer news. We're going to talk players coming back. We're going to be talking about all that juicy stuff and a hell of a lot more. Uh, Dylan Raiola, of course, Nebraska beating Ohio State last night. Probably not going to talk about that, but did happen. Nebraska beats Ohio State in the uh, vault for the very first time. Uh, Scott, how is it down there in uh, Duval County? We had some weather up here. We're going to have the storm of the century turned out to be just kind of a little snow, not a whole lot. Uh, how's it down there in, in uh, Duval? Lots of snow? No snow in Duval. It was a little bit cold when I got here. Um, I will say not as nice for, for a Florida trip as I was hoping. Definitely mm-hmm. not beach or pool weather. We're talking low 70s. Um, yeah, I mean, warm enough for me to break out the shorts, but everyone else yeah, here yeah. Looks, is uh, wearing boots. Do you get a lot of looks when you're wearing shorts down there? And like, what is it, like 50 degrees? I don't know if I'm getting looks so much as I'm getting looks away because my, my thighs are so white. Oh, no. It's blinding. <laughs> but we're back on the it's wedding grind. We're getting in wedding shape, yeah. Yeah, pretty offensive to be this pale in Florida. That Caucasian in that part of the, especially in mm-hmm. Duval. I feel like Duval's probably an overly, probably a pretty sunburnt kind of place, too. Is that wrong? Yeah, it's a, it, it gets a little leathery, yeah. Yeah, a little leather. Are you no. are you tanning up when you come back? Before you come back, you gonna uh, get a tan that's gonna last you till no, the wedding? No, no, I'm coming back tomorrow, but it's gonna be. Um, we'll we'll have to put some serious work in uh, outside yeah. to get to get ready for the wedding. Hell yeah! Put it that way. All right. Uh, well, the boys here in Nebraska have officially started winter conditioning with strength coach Corey Campbell. Uh, shout out to the boys getting in the work. They've been posted on social media. Uh, I think when is that new facility open? That opens soon, right? They're gonna be able to get into that new weight room this year. Am I right or am I wrong? Let me let me look that up. Because I know that they're almost done with the Indama Kansu weight room, which is great. In the Indama Kansu weight room, huh? Uh, this summer they'll be in it this summer. Ooh. Oh, so this is the final Indama Kansu weight room uh visit. I guess winter, and then you got spring. We're almost yeah. done with the Indomitian weight room. I think, yeah, I think the Indomitian weight room is still going to exist for other athletes, though. Really? Yeah. Interesting. No need. I mean, what else are you going to do with that space? No need to tear it down. Uh, some recruiting bullshit where they like have slides or whatever to make it look cool uh, for the kids. You know how kids are. Uh, all right, let's dive right in. So. Xavier Betts and Isaiah, Gar- Isaiah Garcia Castaneda are both returning to Nebraska. Uh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who will uh, from here on out be referred to as IGC, uh, joined, entered the transfer portal after the firing of Scott Frost during that grace period. Xavier Betts left last year, uh, seemingly quit football. I think it was everyone's understanding that he kind of, you know, had lost some interest in football. Uh, did have an arrest that wasn't, you know, Pretty minor stuff. Uh, Certainly not something that precluded him from football, but a little surprising to see at least bets back. I think we thought he was long gone, entered the transfer portal last week, but he will be returning to Gary Maguire's room. Um, Excited to see Xavier bets back. Omaha kid excited to see Isaiah. Jesus Christ. IGC. You get it. Um, Had a huge game week zero for us in that game against Northwestern. Xavier bets. Uh, Definitely made some plays in his time in 2020, 2021. Uh, didn't seem to gel with Mickey Joseph super well, but he is coming back. Scott, are you, is this, uh, 
Is this as surprising to you as it was to me? I would say, yeah, the combination of both of them, this, this is a huge surprise. Um, I, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda putting his name in the transfer portal after just the first four games of this year to try and maintain that extra year of eligibility. Um, nobody thought he would be back at all, but I think maybe the interest in the portal wasn't as huge as he may have thought, but um, he also has a ton of opportunity here, right? There's yeah. a ton of time to play, or there's a ton of playing time uh, to be had this year because um, outside of Marcus Washington, you probably didn't feel great about any receiver that was going to start. And this system might utilize receivers a little bit less, at least four receivers a little bit less. It seems like we're going to always be having a tight end or two tight ends on the field. Um, but still with only one guy with uh, a ton of experience returning, I feel like before the commitment of Billy Kemp 10 days ago, that wide receiver was the biggest position of need on the roster, right? Uh, that was certainly the thought, yeah. And now you've essentially added three guys with tons of experience who could probably start. I mean, Xavier Betts, IGC, and um, Billy Kemp could probably start for any team in the Big Ten except for Ohio State. Yeah. And their wide receiver coach so just moved to OC. Three. So you pretty much you filled all your starting spots. You've got a slot receiver. Uh, you've got an X, you've got a Z, and then you've got, you know, you've got a back. I mean, who, out of those four guys, um, one of them is not going to start. So that's, uh, you're, you're, you've, got, you've got some pretty serious depth with a lot of talent there. Well, and yeah. a lot of production. Yeah, there's Three a guys lot more to that, too. Because you've got Xavier Betts, IGC coming back. Uh, expect Marcus Washington, who had a great year last year, to make another step, presumably moving to that one role. Uh, you've got Alante yep. Brown coming back. Obviously, Billy Kemp transfers in. Joshua Fleeks yep. transfers from Baylor, and then you've got Malachi Coleman coming in. Um, he'll be he'll be a freshman. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then yeah, you've got one of the best receivers in the country, one of the most physically gifted receivers in the country coming in as a freshman, who's going to be fighting for playing time. Right. We'll see. Yeah, just to your point, like they they're adding some serious depth pretty quickly. Cause I mean, Malachi Coleman wasn't even committed until what, like two, three weeks ago, officially like this right. has all happened pretty quickly under this staff, mm -hmm. but you know, kind of some, some, a lot of this probably out of need bringing those guys back when you've got, you know, a younger guy in Garrett McGuire as the uh, wide receivers coach, but uh, certainly something interesting, certainly something to keep your eye on. Um, but I mean, I have a lot of, you know, there's, I think there's reason to have serious expectation. There's some of these guys have, you know, produced at a major level. Uh, you know, nothing insane. Nobody's had a thousand yard season or anything like that. Actually, Billy Kemp has, I think. Yeah, Billy Kemp's had a thousand yard season. And actually, so has Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Uh, New Mexico State? Yep. Boom. Nailed it right on the nails. And then Marcus Washington's had 750. Um, save your bets, probably around that 300 range. But you know, could be the most physically gifted of all of them. Yeah, he had the longest run in Nebraska in like 10 years that a couple of years ago against Northwestern, we beat the fuck out of him. Probably the best game of Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm excited to have those guys back. Uh, exciting to see what they'll do. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of upside in this room. Uh, we will have to see how it translates on the field. Yeah. You want to power power rank where you got them right now? Who's who's sitting out of those four? Or out of those five, you got to sit two. I had to sit two. You, you said they're gonna have to. Uh, you can sit. Let's say Malachi is the fifth one. 
uh, putting me on the spot big time. Um, I don't. I mean, Marcus Washington's definitely playing. Billy Kemp's definitely playing. Uh, I think Xavier Betts presumably is going to get a lot of time. I would say it's probably my like first thought would be Xavier Betts, IGC, Marcus Washington, Billy Kemp. I would think. Yeah. I'm gonna say. What about you? I'm gonna say I think it'll be I think it'll be Washington, Kemp, and Coleman starting. That's only three. Uh, only three wide receivers start. You said me to pick. You told me to pick four. I had to pick four. What the hell is what three. the hell is your what's your deal? Number I four. said three. I swear to God, I said three. Three sitting, uh, three starting, two sitting, and the guys who are sitting. To be clear, at wide receiver, they're not sitting a lot. They'll probably still right. get forty percent of the reps. Fourth um, especially a guy like like Betts and IGC who can play slot or X receiver. Uh, on top of you know bets being able to play all three positions, but I think I think Coleman gets a start. I think Coleman will be our third receiver entering the year. Yeah, I think regardless, I, I mean I don't know how uh, what Matt Rule's style is, but I think he's he's a guy who's you know good chance he gets playing time, kind of no matter what, just with his athleticism and skill. Um, and presuming he uh, you know shows up and does that stuff, which you know we know he's going to do. All right. A uh, couple another transfers from Georgia, the two-time national champions, uh, Eric Gilbert, the tight end from Georgia. Uh, obviously, had to spend some time behind Brock Bowers. Missed last season due to personal reasons. My understanding, uh, originally committed to LSU, former number one tight end in the country in what was that, 2021 or uh, 2020? 2020. Uh, produced at LSU, took that year off, and then obviously had to spend time behind Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers was only ranked behind Thomas Fedoni uh, in his recruiting class, who was also at Nebraska. So Nebraska loading up at the tight end position, clearly. Um, this was just announced, interestingly enough. Uh, and then also adding MJ Sherman, linebacker from Georgia, who didn't get a ton of playing time, was kind of on special teams, obviously an insanely loaded room. He was a high four or five star, I believe. Um, Scott, you were kind of on this uh, Eric Gilbert situation uh, earlier on. Um, is this surprising that they're adding some guys in the tight end position? Uh, I'm saying not surprising they're adding guys in the tight end position because I think that uh, Satterfeld is going to want to have at least one tight end uh, on the field at all times. And I think they're going to want to be in um uh 12 personnel one running back two tight end uh personnel quite a bit so uh and then if you look at nebraska's tight end room i'm pretty sure we had zero starts of this the guys on the roster not saying they're not talented and can't produce it's just where we were at Uh, a lot of those guys with injuries like fedoni a lot of guys who could probably produce in the nfl or have the talent to do so we just haven't seen it yet so you needed to add uh somebody with some some real uh in-game experience so like gilbert had at lsu um not only that you've added a ton of talent as well this might be i mean on paper when you're just looking at like the guys you pulled from high school the the pedigree if you will uh, there's no more talented recruit tight end group in the country right now you've got the number one guy from two consecutive classes yeah yeah and the one of the one of the ones was playing with behind the guy who was number two to the other number one, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
So tons of talent now. Um, Gilbert's the only one with with on-field starts, on-field success, but somebody's going to step up. We're going to play a ton of tight ends this year. Um, we'll have to see who, who develops, who matures, but I think Fedoni and Gilbert definitely are going to be on the field this year quite a bit. Yeah, and I, Fedoni, just, Fedoni, Fedoni solely sidelined due to injuries, hasn't played out of what, Lewis Central? Council Bluffs? Is it Central? Yep. yep. Same Lewis as Central. Yeah, so a lot is expected of him. I think he's added some serious size. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot is expected of him. Uh, and I think we, ex- you know, there's not any reason to not think he won't. Uh, so incredibly excited to see him out on the field, especially with you know adding a guy like Eric Gilbert. Uh, anytime you can get a guy from, you know, a program like Georgia, I think you're going to get guys that are going to want to do that. Uh, and they've done that twice in Eric Gilbert and MJ Sherman. MJ, I believe, has had some injuries, uh, which kind of hampered his ability to play on the defense. But, I mean, not playing special teams for Georgia is not in any way like, oh, this guy can't play, right? right. It's like, God damn, that room is so... That room at every position is so stacked that, yeah. like, if you're not starting at Georgia, you could transfer to a program like Nebraska and look like, you know, a first-round draft pick. Yep. So yeah, he was still um, 6'2", 235, probably a little undersized, maybe not long enough to play edge in Georgia's system, but in a system that uses a lot of the athletic in-between guys, like what we're going to be running this year, I think he fits in really well to that stack linebacker position, the outside linebacker spot. Um, I think you could also see him maybe move to, to inside backer, play true Mike. Um, but yeah, certainly a guy who's, who's going to see the field a lot, even if it's just in a special teams role, but he is, um, you've got a lot of returning production in our linebackers room, but I think you've got two walk-ons and one four-star, all kids from Nebraska. So this is quite a bit of um, an injection of talent into that room. Hell yeah. So yeah, two, two five-stars from Georgia. I will say some people might be like, oh, why didn't they produce? Why weren't they up on the depth chart at Georgia? If you think about Trey Palmer, who was arguably our best player last year, and it's going to be a, uh, second or third round NFL draft pick this year, got a hundred, got a thousand yards. He was in that same position at LSU where he just found himself a little bit behind on the depth chart yeah. and just needed a chance to hit the field. And yeah. then he exploded. Yeah. So, he didn't even, yeah. He barely played ever at those positions. I think we, when he came here, we kind of thought he was going to be like the punt returner. Like yeah. that was going to be his main role. It was not, he had the most yards ever in a single season at Nebraska. Uh, definitely going to miss him. You know, we'll see if the uh, wide receiver room as a whole can, you know, in some way replicate what he had. All right, Scott, uh, Dylan Raiola, the five-star 6'3", 220, 2024, uh, number one ranked player in the 2024 class quarterback. Obviously, uh, family ties to Nebraska was visited by Matt Rule uh, in Chandler, Arizona. You know, good sign, I would say, that the head coach is going down there. I know that the Raiola family has very, very strong ties to Nebraska, uh, Raiola kind of understands that. Um, obviously, does not know the staff. I believe that's what he said in his interview with. I want to say two four seven might have been on three. Um, but you know they're going. They're clearly going after him. Uh, Dylan Raiola's prediction. Steve Wiltfong predicted him to go to Georgia, so that you know tie is very yeah. strong there. I believe. Kirby that, well, put in a uh, put in a crystal ball. So a crystal ball is something that's like they that's something that that website tracks. And so you get graded on if your crystal balls hit or not. And, uh, Wilfong rarely misses and he has not missed in this cycle yet. So 
he put that crystal ball in after uh, Rayola was there, not as a visitor, but was in attendance for the national championship game. Right. Which admittedly, I mean, that would be, you know, the number one quarterback recruit in the country goes and watches Georgia dominate in the national championship game. It makes sense why you would put a uh, crystal ball in or why he might be feeling a particular way about it. But, you know, we've still got almost a year before this concludes. I bet we don't see uh, a commitment for any of these schools until August of this year. So we've got a long ways to go. But Matt Rule was down there, was visiting with his family, was throwing the ball around with Raiola. Um, Raiola tweeted out a picture of what, I mean, I can only assume it's his boombox. I don't think it was Matt Rule's boombox that they had on the field. I think it was because Raiola like, tweeted at the company, like, hit me up. Oh, so it was Matt Rule's boombox. Got yeah, it. Yeah, jamming. Okay. So he, uh, yeah, tweeted that photo out. He's had two different interviews where he's talked about how much Nebraska means to him and his family. So I think he's also mentioned USC, which obviously can't be counted out because Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley is probably the best quarterbacks coach in maybe in college maybe football ever. history. Yeah. Having three of the last six Heisman winners. Uh, and then he also mentioned Oregon, interestingly enough. Um, I would say if I had to guess, it's it's a two dog race between Nebraska and Georgia. Um, so the only three, the three like predictions that are still in are Nebraska, Georgia, and Ohio State, which Ohio State was his previous commitment. So they're probably going to stay in there somewhere. What? Yeah, Ohio State's not happening. Yeah. Uh, so it is probably down to Nebraska and Georgia. Uh, you know, unbelievable chance to get this guy. Like to be in this fight when you have had the seasons that you have had, um, obviously speaks to the tradition Nebraska's had. Uh, it's going to be a long way to go, I think, still for this coaching staff. But hey, why not us? I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got his uncle coaching here. You've got uh, his dad's name in the stadium. You've got you, yep. then you've definitely got a chance. You'll be there till the last minute. Um, on three right now, which is this uh, machine learning prediction machine for where guys are going to commit. Uh, has Nebraska as the leader with 34.6%, Georgia second okay. place with 26.8%. Yeah, fuck you, Will Fong. That's what's up. Yeah. Should be taking into account, though, that the prediction machine still does have Ohio State at 20%, which we can probably at this point rule out. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you if a guy commits somewhere and then just decommits, they're probably going to stay in there till the very end, at least prediction-wise. Yeah, right. It's going to be, yeah. The, um, there's quite a bit of bad blood on Twitter. If you go any any anything any tweet mentioning Riola has a ton of Ohio, salty Ohio State fans in the comments. Hey, their hey their quarterback room's taking a big hit. They went from C.J. Stroud to what they've got. You know, no starters. I don't know if they have. There's a big question mark coming with C.J. Stroud leaving. I don't think they're very happy. Yeah. Who just transferred in? Uh, Oregon State used to be at Nebraska. Jebbia just transferred into Ohio State. Yeah. So As a, he'll be a seventh year senior. Uh, he's got a good chance to start next year. Uh, obviously, Raiola wouldn't be there um, next year. Uh, but they also did take a kid from South Dakota who's sort of a borderline five star kid who, who's going to be really good. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see with Ohio State. All right, let's move on to the, um, the most interesting. Maybe the most interesting thing to happen uh, this cycle. Oops. Uh, Walter Rouse. Uh, on January 11th, 
Transfer Walter Rouse transfers to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. January 14th, 2023, transfer Walter Rouse transfers to Oklahoma Sooners. So that was taken from the 24-7 website. The left tackle from Stanford uh, committed to Nebraska to transfer, was listed on the team's roster, and then two, three days later decides he's going to Oklahoma. In his interview, gives you know a very interesting explanation of why when he visited here i believe he visited iowa nebraska and oklahoma and he expect he based not basically he just said his expectations for lincoln were very very low he just expected cornfields and then he he said well when i got there there were like buildings and restaurants and hotels like <laughs> like yeah there's buildings here dude street lights yeah so basically Boy, how do people keep saying that about lincoln when it when um it, that's just every cycle every cycle it's always three or four guys that think that nebraska is literally just a barn yeah like i don't like when i was yeah like when i was a kid like a child i thought everyone in texas rode horses like they didn't have cars but then i you know i turned like seven right you know like i don't yeah I also like yeah, this, is a, this is a 23 year old man yeah like what did you think was in iowa like you didn't think that about iowa like what would what, what, whatever uh basic whatever it, maybe it just speaks to lincoln that he was so blown away with uh lincoln that he just picked nebraska he liked nebraska he liked the coaches and all that and then just like the next day was like oh maybe i shouldn't and then just transferred to oklahoma i can you know i would assume something else went into this decision uh you know potential nil money whatever uh I mean, he's not going to say that in an interview, obviously, but going from Stanford to Nebraska to Oklahoma, a lot is up. A lot is unknown about what actually happened in this situation, I would say. Uh, I think pretty unknowns. You know, there's a lot of unknowns in college football right now. Uh, how stuff like this works, where you transfer, then transfer again two days later. So a lot is yeah, I unknown. Think, I think it's just considered a commit, decommit. I don't think it's a transfer transfer necessarily. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cause nobody knows. Right. Cause like NCAA doesn't really like they, I don't know. It's a total mess. Like this is just part of the total mess that we're in. Um, but yeah, like an assumed left tackle that you have for like two, three days, just decides right. to up and leave, go to Oklahoma. Um, I don't know. This was very surprising to me. Yeah, um, just it's where we're at in college football. I think he wasn't planning on Oklahoma offering, and then they did. So, or offered with him, offered him something committable. Um, or maybe the number that they were going to give him for NIL changed, something like that. Who knows? Who knows? It could be a lot of stuff, you know. I love the system when it works well in Nebraska's favor, and it's worked well in Nebraska's favor quite a bit this cycle. Right. Uh, this in particular hurts hurts us because um, it seemed like that uh, piece that you would love to have had on the offensive line that that would have brought everything together yeah i think having a left tackle in particular being able to move teddy to the right side and corker into guard would have really fixed a lot of the problems on the offensive line Um, but it should be noted can still develop someone in spring someone can really step up uh, but also there will be a ton of guys that come available in the transfer portal after spring as well so we haven't missed our chance to grab a transfer left tackle yet. Yeah, in this part of the cycle, probably going to be tough. Um, but like you said, another part of the, another window in the portal will open up soon. Um, mm-hmm. 
Anything else you wanted to touch on, Scott? For today's episode, I'm trying to think. Um, did you see that goofy Colorado video? Oh my god! <laughs> Which one, dude? Dion, I was. I think I was pretty. They're all bizarre. They're all bizarre. I can't. I mean, I think I was pretty openly. Uh, I mean, so I'm anti Colorado, and that never changed. But I was like, oh, I hope Dion does well. I'm hoping him for the best. I'm fucking. I'm already tired of seeing Dion. Like, I love his energy. I love all that stuff. But like. Man, he is too many places. He's on Monday Night Football uh, with Peyton and Eli. He's on uh, Dude Perfect's stream of Thursday Night Football. He's on Game Day for the National Championship. Like those are the three like biggest things in football you could be on. Like I like why like why is Dion on everything? Like I, it just it was immediately like okay, this is too much Dion. And then he's putting out these weird videos. The Jackson State documentary that's on Prime came out, and there was that clip of him cutting his family member from the team and having the like team yeah. vote on it that they don't realize that's what they're voting on. It on TV, yeah. Cut some in like on national, like international programming, and then he's got that like they just keep uploading stuff that's weird and acting like it's not weird. Like that video you're talking about where the coaches come up and they introduce themselves. Uh, Tim, Tim Brewster, coach Brewster comes up and man, what would I say? Stay tall, get your ass up out of the seat. I want you and fucking get up. Like it's, you know, like I know some coaches like to do that kind of stuff. Pretty bizarre for a power five, uh, institution to be doing stuff like that. I don't know. That was my thought when I saw that one. Got yeah, you. it's um, it's getting it's weighing on me pretty pretty. It's it feels pretty old, and I think we're gonna see a lot of guys transfer out of Colorado, which might not even be you know what that you know that staff might want that, but for the guys that that went through a coaching change and they're like, oh, maybe I'll see this out, maybe I'll see this out, and then it just turns into like a complete circus, and you're having to defend your coaches um all the time. I don't know. To me, I, I, I would, it would not, it's not a situation I would want to be involved with. Having the meetings filmed, I understand, at least I thought I understood what he was going to do with like filming stuff pre, um, like before he started uploading all the videos of like the team meetings, I thought they were just going to like have bits from practice and then be very selective about what they showed. And they were just going to like show their players, you know, in like a very positive light. And like, look at this guy, you know, you can like, I thought they were going to be using it in a very productive way to like promote NIL and do all this stuff. It is not like we knew this was going to be the Dion show, but I don't know if I knew it was going to be at this level. Literally like winter conditioning is just starting. It's like already. I just don't understand how like ESPN Uh, and all these other like programs have him on so much. Like I'm already like, Jesus Christ, I don't really give a shit what he has to say anymore. Dion, the market is very oversaturated with Dion, and I think people are starting to get sick of it. Um, there have been rumblings for a little bit, but this was the first time I really saw people being uh, overwhelmingly negative towards something that Dion has done or something that uh, a member of Dion's program has done. Um, there were a lot of people mentioning that, like, when these kids go back to the locker room, all they're doing is making fun of that coach. Oh, they have to. So, they have to. They have to. I can guarantee you that's what they're doing. I can guarantee you this yeah. isn't, you know, the military and even in the military, we guys will make fun of the drill instructor, but like, yeah, 
Like that guy is just getting roasted in the locker room probably right now. And they don't, um, you know, these are real people. They're not robots. You can't turn them into robots. Um, yeah, I don't think. And there's a lot of guys. I, my guess is there's a lot of guys that are going to get sick of it uh, during the spring, which again, I should reiterate is maybe what that staff wants. They probably want a few more open spots on the roster. So can a guy that's just transferred in, can they transfer out again before the season starts in that next window? I don't think anyone transferring in is going to transfer out, but I think, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know if they can do that without missing a year, but I think that a lot of the guys who stayed on the roster might be heading out. Yeah. It's like your whole life is on a camera at this point. Yep. And it's not even like about you. It's like about your coach. Which is very interesting. And I still, and you know, in theory, like a lot Dion does. And I still do like Dion. I still like his energy and, you know, some of the stuff he's about. But, like, golly, I don't know why he's on. And I understand, like, when it first happened, having him on some programs. But it's like, he's at the national championship game. They have him on game day. And then there's, like, he posts a video of him just, like, looking around. Being like, we got to get here. We got, it's like, this is not inspiring me. It's so easy, man. It's so corny. It's corny (laughs) and it's, it's forced. Um, it feels like a, like an MTV two reality show. It really does. Shout out to MTV two, dude. It's like, like, you know, Rob Deerdeck fantasy football factor. You know what I mean? Yeah. That reference get lost on you. It wasn't a perfect analogy. Ridiculousness. But, I know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to go through their schedule, predict some win losses? I suppose we can do that. I would assume all losses at this point. I, I kind of expected there to be like something really big to have happened. Uh, because remember when he got, who was that Travis Hunter, the five star to go to Jackson state. I thought he was going to get a bunch more of that at a bigger program like Colorado. That yeah, hasn't no, really happened quite as many as they thought. Right. No, I mean, they got their like big name Jackson state guys like Travis Hunter to come. So that was kind of a given, but and his son, his son is a good quarterback. Yeah. That Shador, yeah, Shador, I believe, is the quarterback. They've got a tough schedule next year, uh, especially game two. I've got it pulled up. Uh, first game at TCU. Loss. Uh, second game home versus Nebraska. I agree. Loss. Big loss. Kind of loss. Colorado Third State. Third game, rivalry game. Uh, Colorado shit. State at home. Colorado State had a really tough year last year, but uh, I do think their coach, Jay Norvell, or excuse me, Mike Norvell is a really good coach. Dude, Might this have schedule's hard as fuck. What? This schedule's hard as fuck. It's a brutal schedule. There's not a single gimme game on here. No, nah, maybe Arizona. Even that, like you maybe have the no... easiest game. Your easiest game is Colorado State. So oh, I'll give okay. them a win there because I think they're going to, you know. I'll give, really quick, I'll give them a win. Through, let me read through the schedule. Just the talent's going to overwhelm. So you've got TCU, Nebraska, lost, Colorado USC, State, Oregon, USC, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, uh, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. There's not like a single FCS. There's no. There's no cupcakes thrown, and then it's like, nope. Ooh. The the easiest game is Colorado State. Maybe Arizona. Arizona State. They're both having new coaches this year. Um, actually, Arizona isn't. Um, they could be like pretty decent and win three games. Like, this is a really hard schedule. Like it's not like you're playing world beaters every week, but 
you're playing a, like a solid team every single week. Fingers crossed. The I Vegas guess. over under is uh, four and a half. Oh, I would hammer the under. Yeah. Um, I I see three. If you're asking, like, go, if I'm going through the schedule, I'll give them Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado State, and then you know it's college football. Any given Saturday. Um, Oh, I mean, maybe Stanford. Actually, Stanford, I bet. Stanford, I bet they beat Stanford. So give me four wins. Give me four wins on that schedule. Still go with the under from Vegas, so. Yeah, I'm with you big time. Golly. Good luck, Colorado. Jesus. And, so, and also, like, there is the factor that this could be, in a, like, they could be very, very good Yeah. right off the bat. They could be really bad off the bat. Like, this could be horrible for them next year. I mean, and here's the thing, all the transfers they brought in, how many high-profile linemen have they brought in? You're still not fixing that problem from a team that couldn't run the football and went 1-11. So you're still going to have a lot of the same lingering issues. This is still a rebuild. I would also like to say that they still can't, they don't have the money to pay Dion still. So he's going to be on a short leash because... There has to be some back room in Boulder, Colorado. I think it's the opposite. Because if you don't have the money to pay him, you don't have the money to fire him. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think there's a back room in Boulder where they are like finding every potential reason to fire him for cause. Any like single little thing he does that's like, could that be considered tampering? Like, they're probably investigating him for tampering all the time just to try and get something in case they can't pay him. Boom, fired. He cheated. He He bought a guy a cheeseburger. Let's get him yep. out. Yep. Oh, maybe. And they might be banking on the fact that if he gets fired, then someone else will pick him up. But because your, your next employer does pick up a portion of the fired contract. So, but I don't think if this goes really poorly at Colorado, he's not going to get another $5 million contract. He's not going to go to Auburn. You know, he's not going to go to Florida state. Yeah. It'd be tough. It'd be very tough. Oof. We'll see. Hey, I still like, I would like to point, I do still like Dion, but it's, it's too much. It's too much and he's too many places. That's, that's Agreed. my overarching thought. Okay. All right. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. I know it's a little bit of a shorter one. Um, we will be back next week. We will be uh, back with all sorts of different types of content. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Have a hell of a week. Have a hell of a night. Have a hell of a day, whatever you're up to. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.